everyone. This is Inside the Tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun and experiences while living in different culture. Today, my new guest here is Margarita. Hi. Hi, Maria. Nice to meet you and thanks for having me here. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to hear your story. I think it's quite something new to hear from me also and find out you moved quite a lot. What you told me, you moved from Russia to Germany to Berlin and then to China and then to Switzerland. That's correct. <laughs> so sounds like a very different experiences. I really would like first to hear how was the first time move because it's kind of initiation process of everything. Could you tell me more on that? Sure. I think my, my will to move and to live abroad was uh, kind of forming why I started to work in the big corporation. You know, I need some new experiences, you know, I need to new countries, uh, you know, I need to grow professionally. So I think it was kind of a driver, you know, I was looking for some um, opportunities to move. And uh, yeah, within my company, basically, I got this opportunity. So I moved quite late, I would say. You know, I heard a couple of your podcasts and I, and I heard stories when the people were super young moving. And I think it's also kind of a challenge, you know, while you're young. So I moved, I was already 28 years old. So kind of an adult, mm -hmm. <laughs> so to say. It was kind of driven by, you know, career growth. So career opportunity, which I wanted to grasp. But at the same time, it still was a big challenge for me. You know, okay, I moved from... Moscow is a big city to Berlin. It's also quite a big city. Um, but I think the biggest challenge for me was I knew a few people, right, mainly at work. So um, and I didn't know really people outside of work. So and mm. to find my kind of social connection and because obviously being living in Moscow, having my life here, having friends and growing here. So I knew everyone. So it was like I was like a fish in the water. Right. And then moving to the country, which I didn't know anyone. So, um, and basically to describe it, you know, after one week, I bought tickets back home and it's like, you know, <laughs> for a weekend, for the weekend. Or yes, yes. And I was like crying. It's like, oh, and you know, I don't know anyone here. And <laughs> my parents were like shocked. So she came back in a week. I almost didn't tell them, you know, <laughs> just bought tickets and, and got back home. So. Because I felt like, okay, no, I, I don't know how to survive there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that also was my, I think, in the time in Berlin. So I was so much focused on building my social circle. So it's, I really wanted to, to feel what I have people to spend time. So because also, um, you know, it was a big challenge for me in, in Moscow and, you know, right. So like the work life, you work and late. So, so you yeah. have, okay, you have some free time during the weekend, but It's like super late working hours. So in Berlin, the, the people, they're respecting their private life so much, you know, what was kind of a surprise for me <laughs> because they're just, you know, five o'clock, bye-bye, you know, so I have my private life, I have my family and they're just gone. And I was like sitting in the office, okay, completely alone on the entire floor. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of weird. So, and that's also, you know, I kind of okay, start to realize nobody's working around me. So like, what's the point to sit so long here? So I need yeah. to find a way what to do also in my free time and after work. And that's why I was like determined, you know, I really wanted to build my social circle and to meet people and kind of feel more uh, comfortable in the city. Plus on top, you know, it was also interesting. I was really keen to move to Berlin because I loved Berlin. So it was my first city abroad I visited okay. ever, you know. And then it was like this first love kind yeah. of thing to yeah. the city. So, and I really wanted to live in Berlin. So I loved it. So from the 
spirit perspective and yeah, kind of easiness and everything. And then also like months before my move, my official move, my future boss called me and said, ah, you know, so um, there is a situation. So because our department, the plan with this department, this entire department will be moved to China. So I basically moved to Berlin with the knowledge what in one year, approximately, I will be in China. So like kind of, okay, that's a country for me. I was alone. Then I really wanted to live in the city, but I don't have really time to live in the city because I was supposed to move already. So, and that's like both of those things, you know, multiplied. So I wanted to get my social circle and I wanted to explore the city as much as I can. So, because it's just so, you know, the city has so much to offer yeah. and I have such a limited time. So I was like doing everything. <laughs> um, so in this kind of also helped me a little bit to fulfill my, you know, this feeling of loneliness and uh, yeah, yeah. this social hunger. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel there is a bit of ease moment if you move internally in company. It can a bit easier because you already know at least one part of your life is established, right? Yes and no, because, you know, I mean, look, we do work like with some headquarter, right? So in Berlin, it was a headquarter. So, but you don't know people much, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, before also the Zoom timing, I mean, you have like what mails exchange and that's kind of you, you know, you exposure to those people. So you don't have anything like in common or discussing about private, yeah. nothing really, right? Okay. And then um, people, they're super nice, right? So, But then also was another one challenge for me in Berlin in particular. So language, because I was now exposed to 100% Russian and a little bit, of course, in the working life English. So I was exposed to almost 100% German around me. And then, of course, working life in English. But also people tend in the working environment constantly to switch back to German. And I was like sitting there and sometimes in the meetings like, uh, okay, great. I mean, mm. okay, I understand, but I cannot really say much in German. Yeah. And it It's kind like, of shrink. Your communication, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was like, what should I say? You know, guys, stop to be rude. Or I should kind of try to, to force myself into learn German faster, you know? Yeah. All this, you know, this balance. Uh -huh. uh, I had this um, at my first job in Switzerland because first we had a team who mostly either could spoke both high German and Swiss German or only high German and several couldn't but a bit. And first they start with English also for me. And then slowly with several, like half a year, they, ah, oh, she can high German, then a bit Swiss German. So it's like, and then I had really stopped like, hey guys, if you want me to really understand everything and do something English, please. You really need sometimes break because it's impossible. They really but, tend yeah. to do that. But you know, like here in Basel, I did not experience this is at all. So because I think the, the environment is quite international. Yeah. So in Berlin, let's say 95% are Germans. Yeah. And they're just naturally, you know, they talk a little bit in English, blah, blah, blah. And then, boom, suddenly they, they speak already German. And yeah. then I was like sitting, like really uh, completely confused. You know, what, what what should I do? Should I interrupt and say, hey, 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 hey hello, I'm still here, you know, please English. I would, I would. Yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of hesitant. And okay. I was thinking, okay, I still need to do, you know, this listening part, you know, because yeah. I'm new, I need to kind of learn. And uh, yeah, it was always kind of awkward. So, I mean, in the kind of private or let's say outside of work events, I was always like saying, but in the work, you know, when like many people sitting around you and then suddenly like, ah, people, mercy. I always thought yeah. that Berlin is very international and there are lots of expats. 
they have lots of startups, you know, and lots of young people coming to the city, but in corporate life and, you know, the biggest employer there in Berlin is dominating by Germans. Okay. So, and it's... When the time was coming to go to China, how did you prepare for the, Like, I can imagine myself to be prepared to go to Berlin. I can't imagine right now what should go in my head and what should I do to go to China. For me, it's absolutely so different world. Did you do something? Ah, that was the same for me, you know, when I just learned about this. So I said like, okay, look, I'm not going to think about that now. I will think about that tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> so let me just, let me enjoy the Berlin, you know, the city I always want to be. But then, you know, yeah, step by step. So also because it was uh, interesting, you know, for every member of my team, basically time to move was different. I was the last one to move to uh -huh. China. So they knew already everything. Uh, not like they knew, they just moved earlier than me, right? So, and then I was just kind of alone in the city, which is fine. But um, I started to read about China, so to understand a little bit more. Um, and then I also actually asked, uh, yeah, my boss uh, back to that time. So can I just go there, you know, just to see, you know, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to leave, you know, what is this China? Because also before, I have never been in Asia at all. So I, I didn't have any clue, you know, how is life there? You know, what's the mentality? And, and then he said, yeah, fine. Yeah, we organized business trips. So I managed to go so to meet the people there, and I hated. I oh, hated why? Everything, you know. I think I went to. I think it was early spring, so that, that you know, it's not the best time of the year. So it was very grayish, and uh, I mean, the pollution in China was terrible. It's okay. so bad, you know. You just arrive and you don't see the buildings in front of you because it's so polluted. Like this already kind of you know weather one thing plus pollution the ecological situation then i hated smell there you know that because everything smells so different you know from the moment you you get into the taxi and people is just... it more spicy is it more what in thailand you come out from airport and air is already like hot and spicy for me yes i think it's i think it's more than it's spicy yes but also like, like lots of garlic lots of kind of those very strong smell because okay. people used to eat everywhere and it's lots of street food okay. as well so and it's it's everywhere and it's like i don't know i was like lost the vomit it just was so much for me you know because normally here air is clean and you kind of breathe it's almost like you i don't know you like not in the forest but it's clean there was not like this it's just like oh yeah i really didn't like it it was too much to take and it was big contrast for me with berlin you know mm -hmm. also also because people like you know normally german-speaking countries they're quite disciplined they're yeah. quite polite i don't know on the street you know to to stop in the traffic lights and things like this so and china was like okay cars are passing by you know you just completely disaster the traffic and you know you, you see you, you sit in the in the taxi like you need to close your eyes because you don't want to see how driver is driving so <laughs> all of those kind of things together it's too much you know it was like i'm not sure i'm going to survive there you know so it's just too much and all of those Chinese people around me. So, and like, like everywhere too many people as well. So somehow, I mean, it's not like what I'm coming from small city, you know, it was okay, but it's like everything Chinese. It's just, I, I felt like I'm an alien, you know, something yeah. like, you know, brought to the new planet. So, but I think the biggest challenge was also the communication, you know, what is different? I mean, it was already later, you know, so when I already moved and mm -hmm. I remember like my first week, so, and I, I, I needed to do like some administrative stuff to do the registration and then stuff like this and my permit. And then basically, okay, my colleagues are back to the time. We didn't have like so many apps. So we had like cards with the address on it and Chinese, obviously, and like saying something, okay, 
dear taxi driver please take me there it's and like then, the yeah. kids with you know the card on the exactly. <laughs> on your neck you know like my address is like that exactly exactly and then okay I took this card I managed to get a taxi so I went and then, then suddenly you know he just stopped and started to, to tell me something but the way how they speak you know it's it, I mean, to my ears, it sounded like he shouting at me. It was like, okay, what are you saying? I have no clue. But then I also realized he stopped like really under the bridge. It's like, what does he want from me to live <laughs> under the bridge? What am I supposed to do here? I mean, where is my, you know, this you know, administrative building when I need to do my registration? I, I said like, no, I'm not going to leave. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stay in this taxi, bring me there. So I gave him my card, you know, hello. <laughs> Well, it was like this five minutes of arguing between us. I and mean, basically, I realized if I'm going to stay, you know, he's going to really shout at me like even more. So he said, fine, fine, I will leave. And then the, basically, I realized he stopped there because, you know, right in front of the building, it's not allowed to stop uh-huh. at all. And then he was just telling me, you know, just go a little bit in front. You will see the building, you know. But for me, it was like he's shouting at me. You know, what does he want from me? I want yeah. to you know, bring me there. And I was completely puzzled. Okay, then I did all my things, you know, and then basically I left the building. So I could not get a taxi for like for 40 minutes because obviously nobody can could stop in front of that building. And I was walking. Did you go back under the bridge? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was walking like tourists and almost like, you know, kind of this highway, you know, I was trying to get taxi there and 40 minutes just walking and trying. And, and I, obviously I could not just call, you know, and do the taxi or things like this. It's, and I was like, I was 20 minutes trying, 20 minutes crying, you know, and trying to reach someone in the office and was I don't know everyone was in the meeting so something I could not reach anyone I was like my gosh how am I going to survive I cannot even get taxi in that city you know so I cannot really even to get home it's, it's like you know this feeling what you kind of you don't belong to this place yeah and it's, it's like all your skills that you earned the whole life are useless in exactly. a way yeah exactly you're like a child which hasn't you know which is just basically maybe can sit or I don't know crawl <laughs> not speaking at at all as, as, a, as a skill yeah, yeah it was, it was yeah. difficult I think the beginning was very difficult how is also was this point that like you blonde with blue eyes so <laughs> I think every person who goes like this to any Asian country take, um, it brings lots of attention from people and was it also like that I think like, when I've been there so you know, it was already a period when I think they had still quite a lot of foreigners. So for adults, they didn't pay so much attention. You know, I could catch some, you know, some eyes on me, some people staring or something, but uh, it was not like overwhelming or something. No? Okay. But I remember when my um, sister came to visit me and um, they came like a whole family with my little nephew. He was, I think, nine months or something. He was small, he was sitting in the, in the stroller. And then that was funny because they were always trying to touch him. He was blonde and very blue eyes, you know, those big blue eyes. And, and they wanted to touch him and they want to make a picture of him all the time. So, and then in the end, you know, he was just sitting in his bag and doing like, like closing his eyes with his, <laughs> with his hands. And it's like, oh my God, just leave me alone. You know, this little boy, nine months old. <laughs> No, they, I think they still admire, you know, this white skin and mm-hmm. um, blue eyes and uh, like blown hair, etc. But I think to adults, they're a little bit calmer. So I think okay. kids, they're still, you know, they're, they're still like something yeah. like a little king or queen. How was them in China finding your social circle? Did you know for how long you go there or was it unknown? No, I'm more or less new. So um, I knew it's going to be like three years approximately. In China, actually, integration was easier. So, I mean, it was more challenging you know from the country point of view 
Of course, it was just so different. You know, you kind of, you don't know anything. But uh, integration was easy. But I think it was due to the fact, you know, I was, I moved to the, my entire department. And, you know, those people, you know, those German people, which were with me in Berlin, and they, they had their lives there, and they had yeah. their social circle, and, you know, they didn't care much about me, so to say. Suddenly, in China... Uh, we landed in completely the same situation. We all knew and a new country and we don't have our social circle here. It's kind of helped me, you know, to also build my relationship with the team because we... They had um, to, yeah. They had to. We're in the same board now, you know. Before we were on different boards and now suddenly we, we landed in the same board. So like not just from working perspective, but also from private perspective. And then basically my entire team, you know, we were very, very close. So we did so many things together. So because our social circle was our working circle, basically. Okay. I think it was good and bad. So the good thing, so we managed to build very strong relationship also kind of working at uh, off work life. But also bad thing because we didn't really had a need to build the social connection outside work. Of course, I, I met some people, but I was like, I always had the people to spend time with. Yeah. Like, you know, with my colleague. So we lived in the next buildings to each other and was like, oh, let's go have a coffee. Let's have a lunch together, you know. Like, oh, let's go to have a massage together, <laughs> things like this. So it was always, I, did, I didn't feel alone there at all, so, which okay. is was very different you know, experience. But at the same time, I didn't have so much need, which I kind of a little bit regretting right now, you know, to, to build some more relationship with locals and with Chinese people. I kind of maybe even now I feel a little bit why I didn't do it, you know, because it would be a great experience as well. So, yeah. but could you get some level of language? Yes, I was learning, so and I really wanted to to try to be able to communicate at least a little bit. So, but that was also interesting realization, you know, with my German, for example, after one year in Berlin, I I could speak pretty well, so I could manage to to communicate in German. Chinese it was like, oh wow, <laughs> it's completely different level. Mandarin, I, I realized pretty quick I would not be able to learn it because I, I met many people and they basically, you know, in order to speak language, they dedicated their entire time in this country just to learn the language so they spend like one year or sometimes one and a half year just to learn the language you know non-stop like 24 7 <laughs> exactly and but but me you know I was still working I mean hello I was still working and I was working super late hours because again you know cultural change because in China people are working late hours and on top you know I was still having business with, with Europe and sometimes even with the US so I was in the office sometimes you know until 9 10 or something you know which is like okay you have no time <laughs> to learn language maybe I would not be able to speak like fluently this language so but I wanted to get something out of this language you know and then what, that's why I started to do some cultural things so I learned calligraphy for example and I loved it so because I said okay fine I will not be able to, to write all these characters but at least I can draw them nicely almost like a painting <laughs> yeah it's for me it's a bit of meditation when you do that I it also is. have um, uh, materials and all that stuff I started in Moscow but it's still it is, somewhere it is. on a shelf for future maybe yeah no, and I loved it you know so and it was also funny because this was my kind of exposure to Chinese culture the teacher of, of calligraphy so he was I mean he did he didn't know a word in English hands language or whatever yeah. eyes and talking like this and explaining but then you just you also learn like this you know the culture and explaining how he was explaining was was quite cool actually and then I was also learning for example <laughs> ping pong <laughs> because I know Chinese are so good at ping pong and I said like okay I want to know it and then also my father he's super good in ping pong I was like all well, this eh, not good 
It's like, okay, I'm going to beat my fuzzy and I'm going to learn from real, real <laughs> profits from Chinese. But then also it was, um, he didn't say a word in English. It was very funny communication, you know, with this, my ping pong teacher. He was a really cool guy. Yeah, but somehow we managed, you know, it worked. And I, I learned some tricks, tricks and, you know, how to do this. And I liked it because it, it gave me a little bit of sense. Okay, I'm learning about culture. I'm trying to be, you know, impactful to this country and to learn. And the, inclusive, the... yeah. Yeah, it sounds that you made quite an effort just, you know, not to be home office and just talking to colleagues. But it was like, you know, kind of hobby, so mm -hmm. to say. And I, I really liked it. I also did like, I learned a Chinese tea ceremony, for example. It was also super cool, you know, about different teas and how do they do this because I mean we're always talking about tea ceremony Japanese but it actually came from China and it's so it's like it's huge like you know this um, the layer of their culture which is amazing it's, it's hard to find it in Europe and it's, it's really fascinating so and I really loved it I mean we traveled as well and um, it was also super cool but in China I don't know I felt super comfortable now now also like when people asking me about oh how was your Chinese experience and I'm, I'm always like very honestly saying you know, I miss it I really miss it it's just it was so cool like a combination of on exploring the country, learning about completely new culture, which is you normally will not be exposed to. Traveling in Asia, it was also super, super cool. I, I really miss it. I mean, also maybe I miss like, you know, this piece of freedom because I was still alone, no single, <laughs> and I didn't have a family and husband and kids. And it was like, I could do whatever I want, you know. <laughs> My I needs know. were priority. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for bringing the travel point. I also wanted to ask, how was this traveling? Because probably there's also a big change from the big city to more rural parts of China yes big of course at the beginning we were like exploring big cities you know like Shanghai and um, I went to Harbin for example was also quite cool I mean once we had experience we went to a uh, province Yunnan like the south close to Vietnam border yeah and then basically uh, we rented the car so we went like our group of colleagues and they rented the car and let's say our level of Chinese or Mandarin was kind of similar <laughs> close to zero actually very funny you know but you could see since I moved it was when 2013 and basically um, I stayed in China until 2015 how much the progress was made in terms of technologies there because like, when I moved I told you right I had this card and then how to do and and then like Suddenly, many, many apps, everything is online. You could actually automatically translate it into English. You could do all of these things online by yourself, you know, without really even asking, you know, some help from, from Chinese colleagues. And then like this, renting the car, you know, train, like booking the tickets to, for the play, it was all possible to do by yourself, which was quite cool. But then when we came to Yunnan, I remember, it's like, okay, we managed to rent the car, fine. Okay, we knew the address where we need to go, but then we came to the small village because, you know, we went to see sunrise under the rice fields. So, mm. like, picture. Romantic. Know, very romantic, but we wanted to make pictures and, like, to do, you know, this experience, which is really beautiful. But then we realized, basically, in this village where we um, were supposed to spend, uh, I think, two nights, nobody could speak any English. So, just Mandarin. So, it was, okay, fine, how are we going to get food? <laughs> just basic stuff it was yeah it was kind of funny but somehow you know I think the, the the power of smile and you know trying to explain you know like something like okay you want to meet yeah and then showing you know moo like, like <laughs> of cows it worked you know I mean we, we were not hungry in the end yeah. so it's okay you know but it's, it's also just giving you also perspective 
you know, how big is the gap between, you know, these big cities with millions inhabitants and versus the rural areas like nobody i mean they even don't need to speak english you know why would put to bother right so it's like was a huge huge gap still lots to explore it's still lots to progress with but yeah but i always had a feeling you know in china when i was in china like i'm in the moment of history because this country is just growing and then progressing and developing so fast and evolving so fast and I kind of feel wow that's the place to be in to feel the history you know and how yeah. it's changing yeah. so it was quite cool a food another topic <laughs> a big topic of food I think everyone likes um, to go to Chinese restaurants in Europe or in the world but is it the same food is it really Chinese oh, no, very different what I learned so I need to to allow myself to try things I don't know like many people are I think in general very conservative right so they know the taste of the specific I don't know yogurt and they wanted this specific yogurt and then in China I just realized I mean we had some no we had some kind of foreigner stores you know you could get some um, foreigner products so like I could cheese. get gruyere, gruyere cheese there you know <laughs> For example, uh, but then rather than that, basically it's all local food. Mm -hmm. Over time, I learned how to to allow myself to to be open to try new things. You know, to bits by pieces. You know, a little bit by a little bit, and then and then over time, actually, I started to enjoy it. So because at the beginning was like, oh no, it's too spicy, it's too salty, it's uh, it's too fatty. You know, it was like. Uh, I could not really stand, but I have to say, I never had any like stomach issues or stomach problems so because I know lots of people experience it in Asia yeah. first week there. And I was like, I wanted to do it so much, but I really didn't know what to eat from all this variety of Chinese food. So <laughs> I just went, um, like we had basically kind of a guy, you know, I don't know, the, the security guy in the building. And I said, like, oh, I need to, I, I want to eat, you know. And he helped me to order some food from McDonald's. And I was, like, happy, <laughs> so happy, like, I wouldn't have it. Because I knew the taste of this food. You know, it was something. It's predictable, right? <laughs> exactly. And you could just, it's just such a relief, you know, at the same mm. time. Because, like, trying every day a new type of food, it's also a little bit overwhelming. But, yeah, over time, I kind of learned and um, how to, to enjoy the new food and, I mean, you still could find, you know, like Italian and you could, could find some Western food as well, like salads you could also find. But now I'm, I'm really missing like real Chinese food. It's yeah. Chinese culture and the cuisine as well. It's, it has lots to offer, you know. They have like eight different, uh, how do you call it, like directions, you know, mm -hmm. which in, in the cuisine, how it, mm -hmm. how it evolves from different uh, parts of China. And it's very different, you know, and it's, it's, it's amazing also to explore I also did lots of um, like a culinary classes and learn how to cook Chinese. Oh, cool! Do you do so, it ever after? Actually, now? did recently. We, we like in February it was a Chinese New Year, and I did. I cooked like all Chinese food. It was very cool. What is your favorite one? Favorite dish? So I loved um, noodles, but with uh, tomato and eggs. So it's something what they normally eat for breakfast. Okay. But, but I could eat it like all the time. So I was eating it for lunch always. So it's mm -hmm. great taste. This was my favorite. I really loved it. So I could eat it all the time. Um, but I also loved like a hot pot and dumplings. Oh, dumplings are so good as well. <laughs> so they reminded me a little bit of Russian pilmeni. Yeah. But they're kind of more fatty and more juicy. They're really cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is the weirdest thing you add? Oh, I tried worms. Okay. Uh, kind of chips you know chipsy <laughs> <laughs> they were really crispy popcorn 
you will like you know if you just close your eyes and you just try it and you will not see what you're eating so um it's kind of a chipses like you know normal chips potato chips or something um they're very crispy because they're drying them with some a little bit spices as well so kind of okay but like to see to eat it of course is you know yeah. to, to connect those things i didn't try scorpions in the end so because they were selling them all the time on this uh, food market so i mean all this um insects and everything they say it's a future with protein and how cheap it is so ah no you know what i was also eating um testicles of bulls yeah but i think it's also in scotland they do that maybe so yeah yeah it was kind of healthy experience <laughs> <laughs> but good thing you know in, in china they lots of dishes they're putting so much spices and it's very hot so you kind of you don't care what you eat <laughs> like you know like a fire in your mouth or whatever you put there yeah i'm i'm minus 100 i i can't eat any spicy food i mean like in all indian restaurants which i i really i'm not a fan of indian food but i tried several times so i order the huge glass of this yogurt minus 100 spicy please <laughs> and yogurt because i'm like really minus zero zero and so there i think it's it's really a habit thing about the spicy and... i agree you you also build it over time you know what even now i realized you know step by step i introduced more and more things and i think my level of tolerance to the spicy food was really growing i could eat pretty spicy things now back to europe already for quite some time you know even like when I cook Chinese and I just, I followed the recipe, you know, just put as much spices as was written there. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so spicy. <laughs> it's like already was too much for me, you know, because again, you know, you're all those feelings, you're adjusting and yeah. back to the food you're consuming. So yeah. One more very specific thing of China, I think, is, did you feel that this difference in styles, you know, how the people dress, how oh, they yeah. <laughs> behave, expose themselves, what is what is cool? What is not? You know, it, I think we we are in Europe absolutely in different world. Also, yeah, this was actually a very funny one. So because you know it was I mean Beijing is a capital, yeah. So and you would expect the people in capital would be dressed like good. I think it's also evolving now. Yeah, they were so fancy to have cool things, but they had no clue how to combine them. So you could see like sometimes if the girl was wearing, I don't know, a red jacket, a green or yellow skirt, and then maybe green tights, like a pure kind of a traffic light. So and it just was weird combinations ever, you know, how they were dressing up to say this. So it's like, but it's like a little bit like monkeys, you know, like all shiny things you see, and you just want to put it on fun part, you know, to watch it. And uh... But I also liked, for example, very traditional Chinese dresses. And I bought some and it was super cool to wear them. And... Yeah. How was the move from China to Switzerland? It, it's kind of, again, you need to adjust, right? After three years. I would not say it was difficult, you know, because I'm kind of already okay. I was already on the journey. I think from progression of my moves, I think Berlin was the, the toughest one. I, I okay. had really tough time to integrate, to to feel myself, myself, you know, in this country. China was easy because I said, you know, I just, you know, in one go, I got my soul, a circle around me. So I didn't, I didn't know, do any effort to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Switzerland was... I mean, I moved due to the fact that my uh, future husband, so back to the time, still my uh, fiancé, he found a job first, and then I was kind of forced, okay, I need to find a job in Switzerland, and I found it, uh, and I moved, but I moved already with the assumption that I'm not alone here, you know, yeah. I'm, I have already someone, so which is way easier, right? It's like moving to the new country, but also living then with the man, 
with whom you had like two years of distance relationship and you kind of okay now we're gonna live in the same apartment 24 hours like, <laughs> you know it was like okay that's a challenge as well for <laughs> I feel that in this situation, you kind of care less about the world outside and exactly. you care more the world inside your flat, you know. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I had my job and then I had kind of my private life, which I needed to work on because, okay, I mean, nice guy, you know, we were chatting, okay, having Skype calls <laughs> and then suddenly he's here 24 hours and I need to talk to him and like it's, it's I mean to build a new relationship that's what, what I was kind of busy first month here in Switzerland I mean he actually <laughs> was very practical and he, he was thinking I moved in March and in April he proposed already he was thinking like let's not waste time <laughs> honestly I, I suffered here a little bit because I kind of I love to do you know this feeling of the big city of this chaos uh, and and uh, I don't know but also lots of opportunities lots of cultural things I had like a abo to the one of the best cultural center in Beijing so I could go to see ballet like uh, I don't know classical concert on on you know my cultural life was very rich you know I was doing painting classes like all those tea ceremonies I, I did lots of these cultural things in China and suddenly here in, in Brazil, my world shrinked, you know? So like, what can I do here? I mean, first I mean, you just went... need to know because true, true. Brazil kind of... has everything what you just mentioned. You just need to know the passwords, <laughs> you know? And You're right. And I think it took me a while, right, to learn it. But at the beginning, I thought like, it looks like a village. I mean, it was like, it's so small and like, okay, yeah, they're claiming it's the, the highest number of museums here. And uh, step by step, I start to explore it and kind of enjoy it. But scale, you know, scale is very yeah. different. And I remember so, like my first night, you know, in Basel. And I mean, you can open freely windows here, what you cannot do in China, you know, yeah. so for like two, almost in a half years, I could not open windows. So we slept with the open window. It's like, what's the sound? It's like so annoying, you know, like during the night. And then I realized there were birds singing. <laughs> I didn't hear birds for like for almost three years. I just didn't know how birds are singing anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's this feeling with you really waking up in the village. Do you feel yourself home in, in Basel? No. I think yes, but mainly because I have my family. Last weekend, we were talking to my husband and I said, you know, I kind of feel here now very, very comfortable, but mainly because my family is here. So my, my husband, my daughter, so and inner circle, yeah, which really fulfilling you because it gives you a purpose for existence. And that's why I think I feel, I feel now here home. What would be your advices or tips for people who think to move based on your experience? The secret of adaptation is to be open, to be open to everything. So try not to put any restrictions in your head and also any of your experiences. You know, try new food, try new activity, observing. I think it helps a lot to understand the culture better and to feel also yourself better in that culture. Yeah, I think my biggest advice is just to be open. Try to learn the language. It's great advice. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today for this talk. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Masha, for inviting. It was really, really cool. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to us. We will come back in a week. It was Inside the Tribe. Bye. Bye.